0: Hello and welcome. I'm your hostess, Tanai, and I'm an intuitive coach. I help people feel fully self-expressed in their lives and relationships by learning to accept and love every part of themselves. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal my own commitment phobia, to find out that there's actually no such thing. I'm ready to share everything that I've learned, so this podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia. So, drop all your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to really create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Commitment Phobe. Today, I'm going to be talking to Carly Joe, who's a sensuality coach based out of LA, California. And I've worked with her in several different containers. The biggest one was working with her one-on-one, and I cannot even describe the amount of things that I got out of working with her. I mean, connecting to my body, my pleasure, my sense of womanhood, integrating my inner child, rethinking what self-pleasure is, trusting myself, honestly definitely a lot more than I thought I would get out of working with her. So I can't even explain, you know, who she is and what she does. So Carly Joe, would you tell the audience who you are and what you do?
1: Hello, thank you so much for, for inviting me
0: into this conversation.
1: I love talking to my my clients. And I love like, just having this open, honest, authentic conversation about, you know, like what did you get like where were you and what happened and what did you get from the experience and i just think it helps really helps so many women to give sexuality work approval right um and and permission you know there's so many women that are suffering they are not connected to their desire they're not connected to their turn on they're not connected to you know owning their pleasure and yet there's a misconception that it's like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. You know, women aren't as into sex. Women aren't into, as, as into pleasure. And so there's just nothing we can do about it. And it's such a misconception. And out of all of the women that I've worked with in the last, like, I would say six years, it's actually opposite of the conditioning of what we w- were told. Most people think, oh, men are super sexual women are not and it's actually kind of proving to not be so topsy turvy it's actually I mean maybe a little bit more women but I just think that there's equal shit there for both men and women like being confronted by sexuality having sexual shame having sexual trauma, like it's not specific to one person or the next. And so anyways, what I do <laughs> is I actually mm-hmm. focus on women in relationships, on helping them own their pleasure, their turn on and their desire so they can create very intimate and fulfilling sex lives with their partners.
0: Beautiful. No, and I actually and love the little intro <laughs> that you gave because before we started working together, I was really intimidated to work with you. You know, I, I had a feeling that working with you would open up a lot for me. And at the time when I reached out to you, I, you actually posted about working only with couples. And I said, I'd love to work with you, but I'm not in a relationship. And you said, well, let's hop on a call and see what comes up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I heard, you know, working with someone on on anything sex related, it was really scary. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are those biggest differences between what people think is sexuality work and what it really is?
1: Mmm. Hmm. Not in my circles anymore, but I have heard <laughs> that people think it's mm. cultish. <laughs> that Ooh. yeah. That um I think people tend to go to the the dark, shadowy aspect of sexuality where they're like, Oh, what? So you're like watching me have sex? You're watching me self pleasure? Am I gonna have to show my pussy to everyone? And I'm like, only if you want to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Like talk about things that are darker or, or like too private, right? Yeah. But it's funny. They're like, am I gonna have to show my pussy? I'm like only if you want to.
1: Like that's totally up <laughs> to you.
0: <laughs> you right. know, you don't have yeah. to, but
1: you can. You know, and so there is this. I think what it is is like the shadow aspects of our sexuality that we're already disapproving of and we're already repressing is what people are fearing that this work is going to be about. And yes, it's that. And it's also a lot of fun. Like tonight, how many times did we laugh? How much fun did we have over the three months of working together?
0: Oh yeah. It was great. It really was there, and honestly, there were so many times where there was even laughter after they're crying. Yeah, because there's so much release. It was like, wow, this thing that that had so much power over me, I just released it, and then there was like laughter, like, oh wow, <laughs> this feels so great. Yeah,
1: it's a coming home. So what people don't realize is that sexuality is at the foundation of everything. Everything we are. If you are breathing, this is this is something I said the other day and I was like I got to write this down. I was like, you know how I know you're sexual or you're a sexual being because you're breathing. Mm. We would not be here without some sort of orgasm. So we are made of sexual energy. Therefore, it's already ingrained into who we are, into our cells and our blood and our bones, and we are denying with huge part of who we are. So that's why it's so scary to lean in. And it's so scary to open that Pandora box. Like I can share from my own personal experience how repressed I was, how much sexual shame I had. And so I was a casting producer for The Bachelor and Bachelor at for 10 years. And I knew that that wasn't my calling. And that's not what I was supposed to be doing forever. But I didn't know what I, what it was that I wanted. And so one day I got an email from, what's how, have you heard this story tonight? Yeah. Okay. 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 I was like, how back, how much further back should I go? Um. So I'm just going to say this, the reason that I'm in this work and the reason that I do what I do and the reason I'm good at what I do is because I have, I'm in a marriage that has sexual issues. And that's how this all Mm -hmm. started. Because my partner and I were having a hard time connecting sexually. We were, neither of us were satisfied and we didn't know, we didn't know how to talk about it. I kept it to myself. There was so much shame. I was like, I'm at the love of my life. Why isn't it just working? Why am I, are we having this issue and this problem? I opened up to one person, one person only. She suggested I follow Layla Martin the first email from Layla Martin that I received was introducing her sex, love and relationship coaching program. And for those who don't
0: know, Layla Martin yes. is a like, what would you call her like a sex and intimacy coach? She's a who I don't even know if I'd call her a coach. I would call her like an
1: empress or yes, <laughs> uh, true, a tantrika. you know? <laughs> yes, she's, yes, yes. Yeah. She's been training. I would say, I think she's on her fourth year. I was her first year of the training. So, The part of the story that I really want to nail for people, because so many people hear how self-expressed I am and hear how open I am to talk about sex. And they're like, oh, you must have always been that way. And it's like, no, it's like a bodybuilder. You see their body and how they're all stacked. And you're like, oh, they must have been born that way. It's like, no, hard work went into that, right? Hard work, dedication, persistence. So when I had my interview my application interview for the coaching certification, I specifically asked how much of this course is about sex because that's not what I'm interested in. I'm going to be a dating coach. And I don't, I'm not, you know, I was so repressed that I had no idea. And the course ended up being about two years and I had so much resistance to any of the self-pleasure. We had to self-pleasure like five, seven times a week. And I would half-ass it and be like, "Yep, yeah, check, check." <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the recording. I didn't touch my pussy, but I listened. Check. <laughs> so much
0: resistance to it, right? I never
1: acknowledge the resistance either. Mm.
0: Yeah, and so you know, you're touching on on how taboo or or just the the little importance we give sexuality in our being, in our you know, in our in our necessities as humans. So, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I know a lot of people say, like, you know, our human needs are eating, breathing, drinking, and sex is one of them. And so, can you talk about how important that is and how important that is when you talk about fear of intimacy and commitment?
1: Yeah, it's a good, great question. Everything goes back to tribal times, <laughs> everything goes back to women and caveman. Yes, we are not in those times anymore, but there are parts of our brain that has not evolved outside of that. And what I see, taking a step back for a second, eating, breathing, sleeping, I would say the next step would be connection over sex, like connection. And there was a time that our ancestors Survived solely in community. If you were out there by yourself, you would stand no chance. You had to be in community. You had to learn how to integrate, how to weave in, how to get along, how to be in a hierarchy. That's a whole other conversation, but I really believe hierarchy is super important, especially in relationships. So to me, connection. We are ingrained. It is, again, it's imprinted into our DNA to need and thrive off of connection. And yet we are living so separate than we ever have before, especially with COVID. And so I was just talking to my husband, his name is Jose, so I can just reference him as Jose moving forward. We were just talking about this last night and I was like, It's my belief that vulnerability is the gateway to connection and connection is the gateway to intimacy.
0: Right. Which, which people don't really think about when they think about sex. And, and I think, you know, vulnerability and intimacy is connected with this very sort of romanticized version of sex and sexuality and that kind of connection when vulnerability is important for all sorts of sex and sexuality. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So. I, so I'm gonna go back to what brought me to work with you. Yeah. That way we can give some more context. So, um, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's two things about when I started working with you, which is that it was the biggest investment that I've ever made for myself. So then I called in more clients, but then at the same time I was also dealing with this UTI that I had, this recurring UTI for two years, and the week that I paid, you know, that I signed on to work with you, the UTI symptoms went from like bearable to like, I want to kill myself. And um, it was so perfect because it was all these things, you know, all this um, emotional pain and shame and guilt that I wasn't dealing with that was stuck in my body. And together we worked on it and, and looked at what was there. So I would love for you to, you know, tell the audience about what that's all about, you know, what this area in our body stores and how the emotions are connected to our body how we store Mm -hmm. guilt and shame in our body
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah oh and i also would love to hear how your utis are now
0: oh they're gone completely gone Completely, yeah. <laughs> I'm <not. laughs> and I just feel so connected to my body, yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, what I forgot to mention is that the reason why I wanted to work with you was because I was just so turned off. Like I, I just, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't self pleasuring. I wasn't feeling connected to my body. I wasn't excited about the idea of dating anybody. And so I remember on our, on the first call, you were like, "So are you looking for a dating coach?" Yeah, I'm like <laughs> no, I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm not. And then and then we went into like sexual shame and you're like, okay, I see what's going on here. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. As you were sharing that story, what was coming up for me was this, as you were saying, I, was, I came to work with you because I was so turned off. I had this moment of like, wow, that's not how I viewed you. So Tanai wow. and I were actually students in a course together first. We were students together before you came and I would have never guessed. So also I just want to, the reason I'm highlighting this is because perception, we have these perceptions of people. We never know what's really going on. So the body stores trauma. Emotions are energy in motion, right? We are energy in motion. And emotions, things like sadness or grief or shame, you know, stuff like that, they're connected to sensations in the body. And it's actually my belief that the sensation comes first, then the brain places a label on it. Mm, Not a scientist. (laughs) Not a scientist, (laughs) not a doctor, not a therapist. This is just my own lived. I speak from lived experience. Yeah. So it's my, and, and I also play in the realm of plant medicine. And so that came to me during one of my, my ceremonies once where I was just like, oh my God, like it's bottom. It's instead of everyone thinks it's like top down. I actually think it's down up. Like I, I think that the body actually experiences these, these sensations and then the brain is like, oh, that's anxiety right and so right. what happens is if we have spent a lifetime not connecting to the actual sensations in our body if they become stagnant they become uh like stuck and the way that i like to describe this is uh, is a couple ways you know i love metaphors one is like a kink in the hose mm. right or or you know, or like necklaces right like if a necklace has been thrown into a drawer I don't know how, but over time it gets all these knots. And the more knots it gets, right. the longer it takes for you to unravel these, right? So going back to the hose analogy, when each of these unintegrated wounds, so past experiences, things that have happened to you on a micro or macro level, we've got trauma with a capital T and trauma with a, with a um, lowercase T, right? It's a spectrum. And so, I mean, I can name off the top of my head three or four, you know, small T traumatic situations that's happened that are still stored in the body because they haven't been purified. They haven't been released. They haven't been uh, looked at because a lot of times it's too painful. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to go there, right? So it gets, it actually gets stored inside of the body because there's nowhere for it to go. There's no, if you are not practicing some sort of modality where you are moving your energy. And this is where we can look at it from a place of like an ocean and a swamp. So a swamp is stagnant. It's not moving. It's dirty, it's muddy, and you cannot see the creatures living underneath there. <laughs> mm-hmm. The ocean, through the work, and, and tonight can really anchor what I'm saying because you've had this lived experience with working with me, the difference between the swamp and the ocean, right? The ocean is moving. It is Big. It is vast. It is rippling in and it's rippling out and it's self-cleaning. It's self-stabilizing, right? Oceanic is what we're looking for. Is what we're what the the hope is for people is to have this like okay, I'm having this experience and I can move it. Like so, my group program that I have right uh, that I that I do is called Queen of Pleasure, and we literally just did this last night where I had them all go talk about something they're currently triggered by, find the sensation in their body. And I led them through a self-pleasure exercise where they allowed the sensation to be felt and approved of and then move through through their body like an orgasmic wave. So orgasms are a wave of energy. Sensations are a wave of energy, right? And so here they are having like grief gasms and sad-gasms and anger-gasms, right? So, so that you can move through the body. So that's part of it. The other part of it is that in the lineage that I actually studied is um, Tantra, and more like Eastern traditions. we have something called vaginal reflexology zones. So if you've ever had heard of reflexology on the on the feet, right, there's different points in the body that connect to different areas they say like you know push in between your the, the the that skin that fatty skin tissue between your thumb and your your index finger push there if you have a headache right because everything is connected so inside of the 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 vagina we have about every inch into the vaginal canal is connected to a different organ so for example the entrance of the vagina about 2 inches is your kidney zone And the kidney is where we have, uh, a lot of fear and lack of trust. And when you, when you work on, we call this de-armoring, when we actually go through and, and, um, work on this specific area and liberate this area from any of the stuck stagnant energy, then we have calmness, peace and trust, right? So, and I can go Mm -hmm. through each of the, every, uh, all of them. But so the last thing I want to say here is that, most women, most of the time, do not heal these experiences, these trauma, these 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 like lived experiences that we've had, and they get stuck and trapped inside the vaginal canal, creating all sorts of issues, including the most common one is vulvodynia, which is what I had, which is pain, which is a lot of pain during penetration, and that's because. And that's a whole story, but I've been talking a lot. So I'm going to let you talk.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, this episode, I mean, (laughs) this is all about you. So just, you know, talk away. (laughs) But but yeah, no, there's there's a lot of things that just from what you're saying, you know, what I really took away is that if there's things that you're having stuck in the body, then you're creating like a fight with yourself and there's no trust within yourself. And if you don't trust yourself, then you're not going to feel safe with someone else. Which is which is what happened in my case, you know, on on so many levels. Um, but I also wanted to say, you know, this exercise that you talked about with the women in your group, you mentioned word, you mentioned words like feeling and approval and triggers, and those are not the kind of words that people associate when you're talking about, you know, working, working with sex work or your vagina or or self pleasure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that that is the important, like the the healing part is so important when you talk about pleasure and connection with someone else.
1: It is my personal belief that healing through self-pleasure, actually, my modality is called pleasure that heals, is way more fun than any other sort of therapy. You know, I have healed so much conditioning pain, wounding, and trauma in self-pleasure because when you are self-pleasuring while you're having these like uncomfortable memories or you're having these uncomfortable feelings or sensations, you're actually bringing soothing, calm touch to your nervous system. So we go from one, you know, sympathetic nervous system to the other. It's like one is flight, fight, three is fawn, faint to rest restoration nourishment right so you can actually help i call it downgrade like downshift right like you can downshift the nervous system so that you can experience something uncomfortable at the same time as bringing pleasure into the body it's that fine line of pain and pleasure Mm -hmm. so it doesn't have to be so scary
0: Yes and and that's exactly what I also wanted to add. Um one of the things that you opened my eyes to is is that self pleasure isn't just, you know, vaginal stimulation or or touch. So, yeah, so even women that I've I've spoken to to coach with me, they say that they get triggered when I use the word pleasure in my <laughs> social media posts. But I just have such a different relation with pleasure because, you know, how how I learned about it through you. Mm-hmm. So, That's why I would love for you to, you know, talk about what pleasure is and self-pleasure.
1: I'm going to start with a lived experience that I had yesterday. Perfect. So my husband and I bought a house. Yay. And we get into our house today and there are so many sensations and emotions around this. This is something I've been desiring for so long and I've been doing sex magic on it. I've been doing manifestation and visualization on it. So the fact that it's finally here, I get a call yesterday from a, our, um, our loan people, our escrow people. I don't know. And they called and they're like, congratulations. Your loan has been funded. Like it's happening. The money has been transferred. And I just started weeping. There were so many sensations. I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting what I want. My first initial reaction, shut it down. Right? So it makes sense because later I I actually talked about this inside of my Queen of pleasure course with the ladies, because there were so many of them that during the exercise, they were like, I didn't feel anything. I was like, numbness is a sensation. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, numbness is a sensation
0: (laughs) do I remember that (laughs) right
1: and I and I said and I was like wow I really got to put it together we don't allow ourselves to have pleasure we don't allow ourselves to have excitement when we do have a lot of excitement it tends to last about five ten seconds and then we shut it down instead of letting it go through the fruition through the cycle so it makes sense and also why we're not allowing ourselves to have the sadness or the grief it's like we're sad about something we allow ourselves to maybe get upset for 5 seconds and then we shut it down we're actually stifling both ends because okay. the sensation of it doesn't matter the sensation of pleasure the sensation of sadness it's all just sensations inside the body that we do not have permission for the outlet of the expression we do not have permission for the expression of the sensation the emotion that we have Mm. so the reason that I think people get triggered by the word pleasure is because there's conditioning around pleasure is not acceptable pleasure is like especially when we are connecting the word pleasure to genitals which people so often do like Pleasure is associated only with genitals. So you're basically putting a picture of your pussy on the internet
0: and they're getting, you know, especially self pleasure. Even self pleasure is just, you know, connected to genitals. Exactly. When you you say that, people think masturbation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So went a little macro for a second. We'll come, we'll come in a little micro here. So pleasure and self pleasure. To me, the definition is loving connection to self. Love that. Yeah. So when I'm walking my clients through self-pleasure, as you experience, you are not actually going to your genitals for 15, 20 minutes. We start at the top of our head. We start with our hair, our face, our mouth, our neck. And we just bring loving touch and connection to our body. That's it.
0: Yeah, so simple. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, and it's definitely how what, what it's definitely would change a lot for me because I like things really fast and quick and slowing <laughs> down and giving myself that nice touch and and setting time to do that every week was was so new for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I I believe there was some resistance there. And yes. we spent 3 months Absolutely. just over and over again to slow down. And, you know, um, my husband made such a great aha moment for me the other day because we were talking. Uh, so I'm writing an article in that right now about why we stay silent in bed. And I was asking him about, you know, why he thinks. And he's like, well, because when we learned how to self-pleasure and we learned how to touch ourselves in orgasm, we had to do so in secret. We create. Right. we started off self-pleasuring in secrecy. You don't see or hear other people talking about it. You don't see or hear your parents doing it. You, based on your upbringing, you know, what you learned about sex or didn't learn about sex and pleasure, all of that goes into the conditioning around it, right? The church, religion, all of that. So it just becomes this thing that's like, it's wrong. And how many people had an experience where a a, a parent walked in on them and was like, "Oh my God, that's not okay," Lou, you know. And you're just like, "Yeah, no wonder we have a culture that is so sexually repressed, but yet so obsessed with them, but not willing to do the education, the the, the sexual
0: positivity education." Right. So it one feels of icky it feels unsafe. Like mean, that, that's yeah. going back to how I felt that first session with you, where I was like you, you had to tell me like, we're going to go slow. We're not going to do anything that you don't want to do, you know, like to, to make me feel better. And, and it is such a perfect segue too to what I wanted to mention is that, you know, you said we all started self-pleasuring in private when I started self-pleasuring in public, you know, I was, me too. I was like five years old. Yeah. I was like <laughs> f- four or five years old when I was self-pleasuring and having no idea that it wasn't okay to do it in public. And my mom would look at, you know, her little child, like, I don't know, humping something or whatever, and was like, "Oh my god, what do I tell my little girl?" You know, and ha- yeah. and what I tell everybody else. And so, at that point, was when my parents said, "This is something that you can only do in private." Mm. And and it's and it's something that I had almost repressed for a good chunk of my life until the the past few years, actually, the Desire on, on Fire um, retreat, which mm. is where I met you, mm. where I first. And the first time ever publicly like shared with a group of women, like, I used to sell pleasure as a child. Yeah. And then we and then we worked through it on our sessions, you know, all the the shame and guilt that I had that was in the way of me experiencing pleasure as something nice to myself because it, there was still a sense of wrongness there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like your your parents handled it in a a really decent way. <laughs> Yes. Life, yeah, yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. my mom good. was actually like I do this too you know but oh. and I didn't believe her because I was like I've never seen you do it right but she was like I, I do this too but it's something that you have to do in private and I didn't really understand at the time but but mm. yeah I would say that they they handled it pretty well
1: mm. that's so great I'm glad that you had that experience yeah it's yeah. um in the second month of Queen of Pleasure, we actually, I do anatomy of arousal, a sexual education course, unlike anything you've ever had. Mm. And I actually give them an hour course of like, here's your anatomy. This is what this is for because it's, there's so much misconception. Knowing your anatomy is really important and knowing your anatomy through your own discovery versus Sorry, but a lot of the textbooks and a lot of what we were taught were written by men. It's like, gotta love men, but they don't have the same parts as us. They have, we all have the same parts just organized in different ways. And so what's really interesting, what I, what I learned, and that was just such an aha moment is that we often call all of our, our female anatomy vagina. When actually the vagina is only the insides, only the vaginal canal, all of it is the vulva. And what's interesting about that is the fact that the vaginal canal is really just, just let's be just super like, you know, general. Let's just be super general with it, right? It's like yeah. most men really only care about the vaginal, the, the vaginal canal because that's the right. penetrative Penetration. part. Yeah. Penetration is a vaginal canal. So it's just really interesting when you, when you start to dive into this work and you really start to learn more about it, it really does show that there were for so long, men were the ones that were the scientists and the doctors and the philosophers, right? And they're the ones writing these textbooks. And then it's like, "Mm," it's kind of interesting how much our, our view of our own self and our own body has been through the lens and the mold of men's perception of it. So now what we're doing is we have an opportunity to learn for ourselves. And that's the most important part here is to do the work, educate yourself on your own body because no body is the same. You're going to have parts of you or pieces of you that look different than what you might see in in movies or even porn porn really only shows one type of vulva right
0: and and they don't talk about things like how quickly it takes for you to orgasm or what or what turns you on. And so I just want to add like if you're asking yourself what's so important about knowing my anatomy is that then you get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. You know you're not relying on other people for your turn on, for your orgasms, for your pleasure, for knowing yourself. And there is a confidence that comes when you own, you know, your self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? one of them.
1: Yeah, one of the most empowering things is knowing, knowing what you like and what you don't like, what turns you on and what turns you off, and that's a metaphor for life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's, and we're we're not taught to communicate those things. We're taught, you know, just get into bed with someone and they'll know what to do. And you just, you know, you just open yourself up for it and they'll know what to do. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're not enjoying yourself, then there's a problem. Yeah. And they are the problem. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or, or the opposite of it is like, if you're not enjoying yourself then you, I guess you just weren't, you're not one of the lucky few that gets to enjoy that. It's not for you. It's not made for you.
0: Right, um, yeah, actually what, a question. For what you are the oh, yes, please ask away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know what was the most confronting thing about working with me?
0: Oh, most confronting thing. I think, okay, several things come up, but one of them is that at the time that I was working with you, I still experienced myself as a little girl. You know, I was living at home, and um, I still had that, you know, like, childhood sex, sexual trauma that I hadn't healed and it felt like this little girl was holding on for life like I didn't want to be a woman yeah. I didn't want to step into my power you know and you even said it on our first call like tonight you have so much power and what I see in you is that you're scared to step into it and I really was there were there was something really scary about about like really being in touch with myself because we're we're just so not used to doing that So, so that was one thing. I think, I think for sure talking about that sexual shame felt really weird. Like, like, ah, gross. You know, I remember now thinking about talking about it and it felt so gross. And now I, I think about how easily I can talk about it even right now on a podcast episode where hundreds of people will be listening to this and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yes, you're right. (laughs) Thousands. (laughs) Thousands will be listening to this and it's, it's so great um because i think about all the people who are like yeah it's like you like people come up to you and say yeah you can talk about it because that's you but i'll never get there and no it, it it really does start with with starting to take a look and and starting to have conversations and things things do start opening up like you you do start releasing the shame and what happens when you release the shame is that you start loving yourself mm-hmm. and and that's really what this podcast is all about if you want to you know, be open to intimacy and connection with another, then that all has to start with yourself. And um it it was just in ways that I didn't really know. Like I I think the safety the safety part is such a big like surprise to me. And I would mm-hmm. love for you to to talk more about that. You know, how like mm-hmm. how safety is created and how um how how important it is to create that safety within ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> When, what I find is that when we are pulling for something, when we're pulling for validation, when we're pulling for comfort, we're pulling for safety, we're pulling for connection from someone else, from some external being, it's actually a sign that we are indeed meaning that ourselves. So when I find myself with my husband feeling disconnected from him, And feeling like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, I I need this. I need his connection. I need his attention. I can stop and be like, oh, where am I not giving myself that connection? And 10 out of 10 times, I have not taken the time to slow down, tune in and connect to myself. And I say, hey, especially with COVID times when we're together all the time and we're not used to it. I'm like, I need a day to myself. I am not in connection. So it's a really good starting point where you are not, whatever the external experience is in your life, it's a mirror for what the internal experience is in your body. So for tonight, you came to me saying, I believe you really wanted a relationship, right? You wanted to start.
0: Yeah. 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 I was like, I really want one, but I don't feel turned on. (laughs) And you were
1: having issues with, um, trusting, trusting, there was this, I remember, yeah, like trusting other people, trusting them to inhabit your space, trusting them to come into your energy. And so that's what we worked on a lot Was like, okay, great. So that's, this is all just information. That's what we need to understand. This is all just information. When you are saying, oh my gosh, like I really want a partner, but I'm so scared to call one in because I don't have the trust there, what I'm hearing is that you don't have the trust within yourself. The trust Mm -hmm. has not been established. And this is so common for women that we have not learned to trust our knowing, to trust our sight, to trust our intuition. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? A lot of it has to do with the conditioning, the culture. Um, you know, the, the, the insane disposition and polarity that we have with men and women. And, and, and it's just, it's not one thing or another. You know, we like to blame men for everything, but there's also, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to educate ourselves. It's our responsibility to learn and to grow. No one, excuse me. No one else is going to do that for us, right? So when you come into these communities or these containers for like goddesses or femininity or, you know, whatever it is, that's when you start to learn like, oh, wow, it's all actually in my hands. I actually have the power here. And that's what starts to allow you to take that power back and stop putting it in other people's hands. Like it's, oh, it's your responsibility to make me safe. It's your responsibility to make me comfortable. No, it's mine.
0: Yeah. And and what had me say yes to you immediately was that like, I was already at that point where I was like, all right, I just whatever's showing up for me, I got to keep looking at it in myself. And this mm-hmm. and working with you was just another way of looking at that. But yeah, I, there were times before where working with coaches, there was that voice that said, how do you know where this is going? Or, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah, just there's, there's just so much doubt. Because there is that lack of connection with that inner knowing and lack of mm-hmm. trust, like you said. Yeah,
1: like so many women. And that's why I was really asking you those questions is because I think a lot of women can relate even right now if yeah. they're like, ooh, I want to reach out to her. I want to do mm-hmm. this work. And then how do we know? How do we know the difference between or how do we trust? Because there's this, there's this want and there's this desire. Like, okay, so let me put this into like, Regular terms here. I have been wanting LASIK surgery (laughs) for like 10 years. I have been trying to get my mom to pay for it for 10 years. And she's like, I know. LASIK is when um, you have corrective lenses and they do the surgery on your eye. So you don't need contacts or glasses. Yeah. Thank you. You must have perfect eyesight to not know what that is. Jealousy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm jealous. Um, So Yeah. So, um, and you know, I've been, like I said, I've been asking my mom and she's like, she's been a no for so long. And I use that as a reason to not do it. It's like a four to $7,000 in Los Angeles. That's where I'm at, um, procedure. And the, there's a voice for 10 years. There's a voice and it was smaller. It was much, much smaller. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's getting so big. I cannot deny it anymore. And I woke up yesterday and I said, I'm done. I am so done with it. So last year I said, Oh, I'm going to do it next year because my business is taking off. My business is blossoming. I'm making more money and I'm, I'm going to do it next year. And then this year comes, I buy a house. I'm trying to have a baby. I don't have the money. I can't put, mo- I cannot put money to a cosmetic surgery. There's all of these like stipulations and, um, contradictions or I don't know, whatever the word is. I'm words are weird with me. Um, the hurdles that we put in front of our, ourselves, right? And so I'm like, I can't afford it. Yes, I can afford it and I want it. And, and, and that's the, and so yesterday I woke up and I was like, you know what? Done. And I called and I made the appointment because I want something and I can have it and I can trust that the four to $7,000 that it costs that I'll, I'll make and it will come. And that I can have it. And so, and this is the thing. So if you have this like whisper of something you should be doing or want to be doing, you'll notice that it gets louder and louder and louder until you just cannot deny it anymore. And that's the part where you listen and you say, where most people will be like, well, I can't have it. I can't afford it. I should, there's other things I should be spending my money on. Or. You tip over into, no, I can have this. I deserve to have what I want. And I'm going to give myself what I want. That right there has what I have seen over and over and over again, helping women trust themselves. When you come to me in a free, because I do free intimacy strategy calls. So anyone who's interested in working with me, they can do a free 20 minute call with me. And if there's that whisper of yes, I'm like, great. Let's lean into that. And if if you're a yes and you listen and you trust that yes and you sign up, that to me is, in, in what I've seen, is women's first step towards trusting their knowing, trusting the wow. intuition. And you're never going to get out of the course what you think. Right. Never. You
0: think you're going to get one thing. Which is, yeah, which you could say <laughs> that about life. Yes. Yeah. You know, like you, you, could, you could absolutely say that about life where you have a desire. It's calling you to do something. And you trust it and and you you might not get what you were looking for at all, but you're definitely not going to regret it. It's definitely going to step, you know, have you step into your power, into your truth, into the life that that you desire. Mm -hmm. I have a woman right now in my Queen
1: of Pleasure who is a master avoider. She has avoided every single aspect of the course. And I told her on a call one day, I said, because it's so easy to beat ourselves up for things. I told her, your breakthrough is just showing up. The fact that you're showing up on the calls is the breakthrough and is worth the money that you paid to be in this course. Just showing up and celebrating the fact that you're showing up. Mm. That's it. Wow. That's all she needed. And now we're have, now, now we're tipped over. We're tipped over into a whole nother category.
0: <laughs> right. Because I'm sure she was just putting so much pressure and sort of playing this game of, of, um, misbehaving in a way by not showing of yeah. it all.
1: Yeah. Victim, victimhood, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's being forced to show up because, and that's why I believe that coaching has the cost that it has on it because the bigger the cost, the more at stake. If you paid two hundred and fifty dollars to work with me, you might not quote unquote push. And push is not the right word, but like invest yourself, invest your time, your energy, and and be as committed. You don't have skin in the game. These like one off two hundred fifty dollar things. Like how many how many twenty dollar things have you purchased that you've never done? I have a list inside my task inside of Gmail of like meditations right. and things that and I've never done because there's not enough skin in the game.
0: Right. So you got to put something at stake, right. You got to put something at stake in order to really commit to, to it.
1: Yeah. When you're saying yes to this investment, I want your knees shaking. I want you trembling. I, you know, the more scary it is, the more there is to gain. And that's not to say, you know, I, I I'm at a point now where someone, my business coach is 10 K and I'm like, great. I'm still scared. There's still some fear around, but I'm, it's not as crazy. It's not as, it's not as like big of a deal as it once was. So the portal into the trusting, this sounds, it sounds like I'm like, hey, trust yourself, give me your money.
0: No, but, but yes, honestly, (laughs) but yes, like that is why you're on this podcast episode, you know, for me to, to really share how working with you led to, to trusting myself and feeling turned on and, and not being scared of my body and not being scared of my yes. Not
1: being scared I of your yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's what we do. You know, something that, that really stuck with me from one of my teachers is that there actually are never any decisions. We already made our decision, mm-hmm. but then our ego wants to mm-hmm. make sure that you made the perfect one. And mm-hmm. so it turns it into a decision to, like, you know, to... To rationalize and see if you actually you know made the quote unquote right decision. But if you had a gun placed to your head, you would know the answer. I don't know how many how many because you know I work with
1: with mostly mostly married women, sometimes just long term. It doesn't matter, just long-term relationship. when you're committed, when you're a commitment committed relationship, I don't know how many women they try to use the whole, well, I got to talk to my husband first. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm.
0: I've, I've, I've experienced that one. <laughs> and I used
1: to be like, okay, yeah, I totally get it. And now I'm like, no, because if you needed your husband's permission, you would have got, you would have asked by now. This is where, again, where you are not trusting yourself. This is where yeah, you are you're having not someone else in charge. Yeah. Like your partners not in charge of your decisions or your money. And I, I'm i in a marriage, so I get it. You know, there's, there's boundaries and there's, um, you know, discussions that need to be had and, and such, but it's just another way that we put these limitations on ourselves. So I don't, I'm like, Mm-mm. nope. <laughs> and the, and, and, and the, the, about the, uh, I would say in the last year I've had three women who said they need to talk to her husband and I coached them through it and signed up. And I I always ask like a month or two in, I was like, let's go back to that for a second. What was that really about? And they're like, oh my God. Yeah. It was not. They were like, I was using what that. They say? Yeah, they're like, I'm using I was, oh my God, like yeah, I was using that as an excuse. Like for I I do did not want to own my decision. I had to make a choice and I didn't want to own that. I didn't want to have to make that choice and so i was leaving it up to them to make that choice for me when most partners are going to be like well i don't do what you want or depending on who your partner is all of their shit's going to get in the way and they're going to be like you're going to spend how much on sexuality and then it, and it's almost like you know that your partner's going to say no or your partner's not going to want you to and so you can use them as the excuse for not doing the work but yeah every woman is like oh my god i'm so glad you didn't stand for that and you actually what it is is i'm taking a stand for you Uh, you just told me what you want and why you're not getting it i'm going to take a stand for you and this is more of the same this is more of you putting these you to get to not have what you want not trusting yourself trust has been a huge journey for me in the last in the last year and 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 what i want to say on trust too is like trusting the people around you. I grew up always showing maybe 15% of myself out of fear of other people's reaction to me, right? You can just be talking to somebody in, an, in a normal, casual conversation and you can say, you know what? I just hate the color purple. I think it's so ugly and I just don't wear it. And then all of a sudden you look and the person you're talking to is wearing purple. Does that, and, and, and that's just like an example of like, Oh shit, my bad. Then I go into caretaking. Like, Oh my God, do they think they look bad? Do they think I'm saying something bad? Where it's like, can we just learn to trust that our community can handle? And also, if if they have an impact, if you had an impact on something that, that, if there was an impact on what you said, that your community, like, will let you know. Be like, hey. We do that
0: with our parents, forgetting that our parents were adults before they had us. Like, they can take care of themselves, and yet we think of all the ways to take care of them, and we're making them small. We're saying, you can't, I need to take care of you. I need to make sure you're not upset, you're not triggered, because you can't handle it.
1: Yeah. Well, and this is a better example. So the the friend's house we're staying at right now, last night at dinner, I was like, we, Jose and I want to share our gratitude for you letting us stay at your house for three weeks by having our cleaners come and clean your house. And she's like, why? What are you saying? My house is dirty? Oh. Right? And I was like, check your conscience. Because that's (laughs) on you. And right away, she's like, oh yeah. Right? It's like, we got to just wash it right away. Now, an older version of me would have went into a shame hole and been like, oh, my God, like, I'm so horrible. I'm so shitty. Why? And I was like, no, I'm literally offering you a gift in exchange for allowing us to stay at your house. Your reaction is your reaction. Her reaction was her own guilt and consciousness around how she thinks her house is. That's, that's where I think one of the biggest levels of trust comes in and why I do my program groups because they get to get they get worked with each other trusting that your community can handle you handle your reactions and they'll speak up if something feels out of alignment or something feels off to them
0: right and if they don't that's on them yes you're not responsible for making them speak up either exactly
1: yeah trust
0: oh, so good that's honestly such a great note to leave that on um i mean we could have you, you ha, have you thought about having your own podcast
1: <laughs> yeah but i like uh, yeah yes i have and i also like to live life so pleasurably that it just seems like a lot of work <laughs> mm,
0: okay yep not turning you on right now see ladies this is an example of just you know leading by pleasure and desire if it doesn't feel good to you you know don't don't do it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, how can my listeners get in touch with you and work with you? They can.
1: Um, there's a few different ways. So anyone, who's li- who, anyone who is listening who wants to lean in and have a one-on-one private conversation with me, they can uh, schedule that on Carly Joes c a r l i j o dot com slash 20. It's a free 20 minute call. Also, most of my wheeling and dealing happens on my Instagram account, which is actually Cannabis Sensuality Coach. Um, Those, I would say, are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I'm sure I'll have you here again. But until then, everyone seriously... Hop on that 20-minute discovery call. You have no idea what could come out of it. But definitely lots of healing and self-love. And thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.taniamilgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on instagram on my handle at tonight Milgram i'm always posting content about what i'm up to and new insights new learnings that i'm getting along my journey and please head over to itunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard so together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments thanks again for tuning in and i'll see you next week